Hello and welcome to CityWare Selectors podcast. Uh, I'm Margarita Kirakosian and joining me today is Susan Bolin-Gartner, Head of Fund and Manager Selection at Danske Bank Wealth Management. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Susan, uh, well, firstly, it was an honor to have you as a judge of our uh, Gender Diversity Awards two years in a row. And one thing that I wanted to maybe zoom in on a little bit is Swedish asset managers, because uh, you're from Sweden, you're based in Sweden from my memory. Mm-hmm. And two firms, uh, Swedbank and Handelsbank, won awards last year. And obviously, you know, not everything can be perfect, but I was wondering if we could start with positives, what do you think Swedish asset managers are doing well on gender diversity front? I think it's it's not really thinking about it so much, I would say. <laughs> it's more like like uh, you get more women uh, now as fund analysts. Uh, so, so also coming from the sustainability side, so joining uh, fund analysts um, and sustainability analysts, that comes like a, a natural match, I would say. So, so um, that also adds on uh, with women uh, mm-hmm. into this field. Uh, and also, I would think that now we have women also uh, heading up uh, departments, and that might also be uh, maybe a little bit mindsetting that, that you sort of... Uh, uh, look out for for having more women, uh, and of course you set these targets to get more women onboarded. And of course, uh, if if you are recruiting, you should at least have some women <laughs> uh, at the last stage. But then, of course, the best uh, people must be recruited. But but having this mindset that you open up um, the recruitment process, I think, is very important. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting thing that you've mentioned about sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's just an interesting phenomenon that we became a bit more mindful of that aspect of investing. But it seems like there were many more women in the field than men mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And now that uh, senior roles are coming up, these are people with experience. So do you think mm-hmm. this is something that is happening to a degree? Yes, I, I think once numbers come into <laughs> to the, the, the issue sort of. So with sustainability now with taxonomy and so on, uh, you, you put numbers on it, and then more men are attracted to it. Just my guess, but, but still mm-hmm. it's uh, also more men now heading up sustainability departments. Before it was like only women. So mm-hmm. I think we got a nice mix here because we have a flow in between sustainability and the analysis, I would say. It's different kind of analysis today, but it's coming together. So, so it's sort of part of the performance. You can't just have a fund performing without sustainability, and you can't just have sustainability without performance. When we are talking about, obviously, gender diversity awards, it's about positivity and positive reinforcement. But you know Swedish market really well, and Nordic market as well at large. Where do you think things are kind of like slightly falling off the cliff when it comes to either gender diversity in fund management or maybe broader diversity? Are there any kind of like challenges that you can identify readily and things that have to be addressed that are maybe not being given that much attention? Hmm, that's a tricky question. Um, of course, there are issues. And, and I mean, Sweden or the Nordics are not perfect in any sense, but, but 
I think we have different kind of cultures. We are used to, you know, both the men and women working and so on. And, and um, historically, you have had different kind of jobs, but now you are attracting more women uh, into this field. And, and that, of course, will give some effect going forward. And then if you can even perform with your fund, you are a good fund manager and, and that is seen, then that, of course, might attract more women into this field as well. So, so I think it's, um, uh, well, it's, well, we've always had this, you, you leave your children with the childcare and so on. And, uh, but you also have uh, the ability to work part-time and so on. But I think now with the flexibility that has come into the workspace, uh, then uh, that's not as big issue anymore. And, and you can work hybridly from home mm -hmm. or in the office and so on. And I think allowing more of this uh, is very, uh, you know, uh, good for both men and women and parental leave and so on. That, that might be an issue in some countries that I don't think it has been an, a real issue um, in, in the Nordics in that sense. Mm -hmm. So in your view, the pandemic actually did have a little bit of a positive effect in the way that flexible working became the norm. So before mm. there would be questions about, oh, can we trust our employees mm. to work from home effectively? And now everyone has seen it. I think it might be slightly easier to make a case for that. Would you argue that? Yeah, yeah, definitely so. Um, that that has really proven uh, to be the way to work going forward. I mean, it's even for myself, I've always been allowed to work from home, but now seeing how you can be effective, it's nearly like you turn it around. Now you want to be in the workspace when you don't have meetings <laughs> because you want to meet your team and mm -hmm. sort of uh, brainstorm ideas and discuss funds and so on. But if you are at home, you can be on these team meetings and, and so on. And, and so you find new ways of working. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so that is also interesting. Mm -hmm. And you don't need as many physical meetings. You can meet people in, in um, Asia or wherever, uh, have these really exciting meetings uh, and be all around the world in one day. And what about the recruitment process even? Uh, do we need kind of like specific um, kind of like hiring agencies that look at the diverse candidates or do we actually kind of like settle on the, just like any recruitment firms, but just give them a specific kind of like set of criteria, let's say? Um. Sorry, what was the question? With recruitment firms? Yes. Do we need dedicated recruiters who are looking at the diverse candidates or do we kind of like just hope that recruiters at large... Okay. Do, okay. I think it is actually part of uh, when they set up the, the uh, case, they, they will ask you uh, uh, what, what you want, what you prefer. And here I, I, I think that international uh, fund companies or fund managers they are a bit maybe a bit tougher because they have like personal tests uh, before you can even have an interview so there they might not even know if you are female or, or male uh, because you're mm -hmm. just a number yeah. <laughs> and before you sort of come down to to having the interview but but for me for instance um then I will always see the names of all the applicants. And I think it's quite exciting for my fund selection team now. I'm recruiting right now. So I had a lot of uh, interesting 
applicants and, and they were from all over the world because mm-hmm. I had put the ad in in English because mm-hmm. even though we are Nordic uh, and speak, uh, I understand some Danish, but it's not that easy. So when we are, we talk like English in in, uh, <laughs> in the bank, that's the business language. Uh, so then when I put out the ad in English and then sort of sent it out on LinkedIn as well. Then I got all these exciting uh, applications from all over the world. And it's interesting to see that people are prepared to move um, and and they are, you know, it's not an obstacle. Oh, where do you want me to be? You know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, different backgrounds. So that was really exciting. It's the first time I've seen that because last time I had a Swedish ad. So, so mm-hmm. then of course, it was more like... Uh, Nordic uh, mm-hmm. or those who understood Swedish at least so so um, mm-hmm. a bit more exotic team going forward maybe <laughs> yes no that that would be interesting to see it's kind of like reaching out to the world especially now that people seem to be a bit yeah. more easily swayed to move places yeah. yeah which is only a good thing in my view uh, and I wanted to talk about um, kind of like taking things forward because we just established that sustainability goals are important, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like diversity goals are important. So for you, if you are in the ideal world and they are not in the ideal world, of course, but like what would be your diversity goals, for instance, either for your selection team or for fund managers that you are working with? Well, in the best of worlds, we wouldn't even have to think about it. <laughs> but, uh, but I would say that it's uh, like... A normal process. You don't have to have this extra focus on it. Mm-hmm. But we have had, I mean, in Sweden, it's been a discussion for a long time to have more women on boards. And if if there aren't more women on the board, then, then we will have it by law, like in Norway and so on. But it ha- hasn't happened yet. And it takes a long time. But it's like, is it good or bad to force it in or not? Mm-hmm. So, so That is, of course, in the best of worlds, we have the best people and that is a mix of men and women. But we all have to think a little bit extra to have the the sort of, when we have a choice between two or three candidates, we should at least have one of each (laughs) represented Mm -hmm. there. Mm The diverse slate of candidates is obviously one piece of the puzzle. But I was wondering as well, what is the role of returnship programs. So returnship, what I mean by that is when someone took a long career break and uh, coming back into the workforce. And there are kind of like in the UK, for instance, there are a couple of of pathways you can take. And sometimes those are internal. So when the person is taking a break and then the company wants to reintegrate them as smoothly as possible. Mm. Sometimes it's also external if someone just decided to take a career break and quit the firm, but Mm. then they are still quite possibly like good for like being integrated again, but maybe Mm. with another firm. So what do you think is the role of these kind of like uh, programs and potentially initiatives as well? And kind of like, how do we take them forward as well? I think that's really important. Uh, and if you have someone on a parental leave, um, at least in Sweden, uh, as a manager, you are uh, obliged to reach out. Uh, so you have to include these people all the time, even though they are not there. And it's a bit of a balance because you must allow them to be the parent and not think about work, but still giving them the chance to be part of. If you do something with the whole team or or if you have a good uh, session that you would sort of 
uh, at least offer. So, so I think the most important thing is to always think about these uh, employees uh, as they are present, but not. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and also decide with them, how often do you want contact? And, and what kind of occasions should I reach out? So you have that kind of uh, discussion before the person leaves. And then uh, one month before coming back, you should sit down and, and ask, okay, so what are your plans? And would you like to come back to the same job or part-time? Or how are you thinking? Uh, so you have time to prepare. Uh, and also, if someone wants to do something else or whatever, then, then you can have time to help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just feeling like you are not forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and these days when so many things happen in companies that are cutting down and whatever, you shouldn't go there and, and be worried that you don't have a job when you come back. So I think it's very important that you reach out whenever something happens in the organization also. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very important thing as well when we are talking about coming back and this anxiety of coming back mm-hmm. to a situation mm-hmm. that is different from how you left yeah. it. Not yeah. only this, but someone has to perform that role whilst you're away. But mm-hmm. how do you balance that with a new person who was already performing those duties and someone who mm-hmm. is coming back but still wants to be very much involved? Mm-hmm. I think that's that tricky balance to strike, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also what I think is like before it was more popular to be like part-time, but now being flexible with work, uh, you might work full-time, but then partly from home so you can get your equation together. But having said that, I think it's very important to have the work discipline. And, and that I think is important that, that your manager also uh, is following up on if you we are not allowed actually officially not to send emails to our staff late in the evenings and so on. I, I try not to do that. But mm-hmm. if I work myself, I then I don't have to sort of <laughs> tell other people about it or something. But I do look out for if my uh, staff would send me late emails mm-hmm. and such, because then I think we are, it's it could be the beginning of a problem uh, mm-hmm. because uh, you have to look out so so you are well balanced with home and and office. Um, I was wondering as well, if we are talking about kind of like ESG targets, obviously, um, as a whole, but then there is also this whole conversation about diversity. And these two get separated sometimes and people are like, oh, we need to have a separate conversation about diversity and we need to have a separate conversation about ESG. But in my mind, there is a massive overlap here. And these two topics do speak to each other and actively contribute to each other. What do you think is happening in here? Why do we have that conversation firstly separately? And secondly, why do we well potentially need to talk about it all together? I, I think it's a way of lifting the S, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so it will sort of find its way into the ESG. But right now it's like you have lifted it out. And, and uh, it's a lot of also... Uh, well, measuring on diversity and inclusion and, and a lot of focus on that and, and going through the whole company. What, what do uh, the, the employees understand of this and how do we uh, act on it ourselves in the company? So I think it's very big questions and, and uh, you can sort of, you have to talk about it because it is soft 
soft discussions too needed to this. But but then end of the day, you have to find how do you measure, uh, and maybe that's why also it's sort of easy to measure gender if you are men or women. Uh, but in in the US, you also have a lot of focus on on racial <laughs> issues. Mm-hmm. So so that is also interesting because you have a totally different kind of. Um, uh, well, what do you say? Uh, Data uh, sets, uh, challenges, and yeah, historical yeah, yeah. backdrop. So, yeah. so um, that comes into to the whole situation. So, um, and we, I mean, like you have the uh, disabled people, you have all different mm-hmm. kinds, uh, and that is also interesting. I, I saw the other day uh, a person who was actually reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm retarded. Who wants to hire me? I can do this and that and that, but you know, mm-hmm. I got this uh, uh, thing. And then he was hired by um, uh, a grocery store, uh, and that they thought, "Wow, this is a great person," you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was very brave to reach out like that after having a lot of no's. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this became sort of, I think, a little bit of marketing, of course, but but still, mm-hmm. end of the day you get this person in work and, and he's feeling like he's doing something because uh, you always, you can always do something, but, but it depends on what are your capabilities. Um, I was thinking as well, given kind of like our focus on kind of gender diversity in asset management, uh, I was wondering how much of attention are you paying to the composition of investment teams when it comes to either gender balance or like diversity of those teams? And what is that you are looking at uh, when assessing that specific component? Well, firstly, I always ask uh, about the team and usually... You show up the team with all these little pictures and you might see, Woo, there's one woman or another one or no women. And so it's started a couple of years back, I guess, when sometimes I joked and said, oh, where are the women? You know, uh, but but then um, I, I I think there are more and more women into these uh, organizations and so on. So now I'm more. Uh, looking for women heading up the teams who are the the ultimate manager of the team. Uh, That is exciting to follow, uh, to see how that turns out. Because I think, of course, everyone agrees that a mixed team is quite good for performance uh, and so on. So, uh, and also integrating the ESG, uh, that also becomes part of it. So, um, I think going forward, we will see, of course, more mixed teams uh, and hopefully some more headed by women but then to stick out you have to have the best fund when you're a woman (laughs) if you're a man you might not have to have the best fund but but maybe that will sort of uh, uh, well show its way going forward Mm-hmm. So that's that's an interesting part that the industry actually does help you to a degree that if you are really good in terms mm-hmm. of performance, then you will be seen. Um, but I was wondering, kind of like well, sometimes when you were talking about asset managers and how they are kind of like selecting for their like senior fund manager roles, mm-hmm. it's important to have kind of like one woman in the shortlist. So at the final mm-hmm. stages of the interviews to yeah. at least have that optionality, right? Is that something you can to a degree replicate in fund selection? Or this is a bit hard given that even in our database, we have 10% of women and that's it. And they all will be concentrated in some specific areas, let's say. Yeah, it's, it is actually 
uh, you always have to look at <laughs> what you do yourself. And, and for my fund selection team, I don't have so many women, uh, but I do look out for good women to join the team. But uh, apparently there aren't as many looking for, for this kind of job. I think it's opening up also, but it goes a little bit hand in hand, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I don't know why there aren't so many women because it's, well, it's a great job uh, and so on. So working with funds, uh, but then back to this sustainability. So that's the journey you can come in uh, mm-hmm. and you can also go the other way. If you're a fund analyst, you could also become a sustainability analyst and you want to dig more into those details, so to speak. Otherwise we have it within our process, but not the deep dive that, that we have the experts for. So, so um, back to the combination here, but but uh, definitely there are more men as fund selectors today, but maybe uh, the next generation will fix that. <laughs> well, let, let, let's hope for that. Um, what I noticed as well with asset managers in particular, that they are becoming a bit more vocal about voting on gender-related issues. So when they hold a company and there is an annual general meeting, they would come out and either join someone else's proposal about mm. voting against the board that doesn't have uh, enough women on it, for mm. example, or even filing their own, or actually asking the company to fix the issue. So is that something that you're observing as well? And then and probably more importantly, are you actually kind of like asking fund managers for this kind of information, how they vote on these issues elementary? Uh, not so much in detail, but, but usually uh, when they tell uh, how they work with sustainability and so on, uh, you usually touch on voting and active ownership mm-hmm. and such. So, so you might say that we're voted X uh, amount of times and, and uh with uh, good or bad results or whatever, but but you show activity that way. Uh, and there is a lot of proxy voting also. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I've been thinking a little bit about. I'm not the expert on that, but then I think uh, it might be an easy way. You just leave your vote with someone, but but then you have said mm-hmm. what you're, uh, what you want to vote for, of course, but, but then um, it's all very automatic, I would say. So I guess the old days, if you stood up there and voted, that's uh, long gone. But but still, uh, you have to sort of have the whole company deciding on what what are you going to vote for and what are you going to struggle for uh, and, and so on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the challenge with proxy voting is just uh, the alignment between what the company actually wants to do and then kind of like if you're just making it, as you're saying, automatically, it might mm-hmm. not necessarily reach the results you are mm. hoping for. Is, is that where the issue with proxy voting sometimes can be? Yeah, I mean, the, it's uh, if you follow up on, on your voting and see what are the results, really, you're showing how many votes you've done and and uh, maybe a bit dig a bit deeper into the results and and uh, what to do going forward if you're changing anything and so on so often with these kind of works i i think the most interesting part is the journey what what are you aiming at and what did you actually achieve or not because of course everything is not just wow you you made this <laughs> advancement or something but but you're trying to do something and that i think is important and you are believing in something not just doing it because you have to 
one thing that I noticed is actually the emergence of these either gender-focused funds or inclusivity-focused funds. And uh, I was wondering from the perspective of fund selection, there is, to my eyes, there is a very narrow pool of those. And for you, it's very important to have the category that has enough funds with enough track record to be able to compare and contrast. So is that an interesting investment opportunity or something that is still early days that you can't really access? Uh, if you mean like gender funds. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that that's marketing. <laughs> it might be a good idea, but I think you can embed it in, in your uh, ordinary fund, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I, I wouldn't, I haven't added on any specific mm-hmm. gender funds. Uh, they can perform really well, but they will be either global or European or whatever equity. You have to choose what equities to buy. <laughs> Susan, we touched a little bit on regulations. Um, so far, when we think SFDR or like EU taxonomy, mm-hmm. it's all seemingly leaning towards, for example, environmental issues a lot more, or at least they're a bit more tangible and CO2 footprint is much easier to scale than, for example, to like the number of women on the board. No, the number of women on the board is actually <laughs> quite all right. But like other social issues like... Uh, mental health, kind of like engagement with employees and things like that. So what is your take on how kind of like the regulations are tackling the social side and especially everything that is related to diversity or even gender diversity? Can we even measure it properly? I think that's more focused now. So, so, um, of course, it's easier with the Climate, maybe it's not easy with climate, but if you've got these uh, figures and, and CO2 emissions and so on to calculate and so on, that sounds easier, but but then eventually you have to do the work as well and, and trust the data providers and so on. So, so as soon as something becomes figures, then I think you have to double check and a quality check. What does this really say? What are you really aiming at? Uh, and, and not only buying good companies or something, uh, because end of the day, if you want to make a change, you, you can't just buy the companies that you sleep well <laughs> of owning. Uh, it, it has to be something more. And, and with the S in ESG, I think... That that will come more and more now uh, into the equation, but of course it, it is difficult to measure. So so then you have to define some specifics, and I think that comes with this new regulation uh, that will sort of uh, find its way. Uh, and it's trial and error because you have to sort of start somewhere. And and I think the whole starting point. Some some are always critical and say you can't measure this, you can't measure that. But if you don't try, then you will never end up measuring. So so you might start measuring in one way and then find out that maybe that was not so good. We have to change this or, or whatever. So so uh, yeah. So it's uh, again, it's a journey, and I think that everyone who is on the journey actively, that's positive. <laughs> um, Susan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you.